When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to New York. This is is the the Devil's State State of Mind Mind Podcast, Podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! Let's go, baby! Jack Hughes is back, and he's going nowhere! What is going on, Devils fans? It is your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome back to another exciting edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. I know I am. I'm really pumped up, and I'm sure you could probably figure out why. But I hope you guys are having an exciting day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you so much, as always, for taking some time out of your day to check these episodes out. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. This episode and all of them are sponsored by the awesome people at DraftKings Sportsbook. When you sign up, make sure to use our promo code THPN. Folks, we have so much to talk about here in this episode. It's going to be a long one. Granted, most of my episodes are pretty long, but this one in particular, I think, is going to be pretty long because there is a couple of big announcements, both with the Devils and also this podcast in general that I'm going to be sharing with you. We have a couple of signings as well. We have some news involving some of our prospects. We have a game to recap. There's so much in this episode. I hope you guys are excited or just as excited as I am to talk about everything that we're going to talk about here today. So as always, we have so much to talk about. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So we're going to start. We're going to take it back not too long ago, Tuesday morning. The Devils are getting ready to take on the San Jose Sharks. And yes, we will. We will recap that game. Frustrating uh, game to recap, but still, we're going to recap it like we recap all the games. Um, and obviously, you're excited nonetheless because the Devils are playing. And for me, I was personally excited because for those of you that don't know, uh, obviously, the Devils are my number one team. I'm born and raised in Jersey, been a Devils fan my whole life. But I do have a second team that I'm a fan of in the NHL, and that is the San Jose Sharks. And interestingly enough, that was who the Devils played on Tuesday night. And another fun fact for you guys, my dad actually grew up, uh, well, he didn't grow up. He lived in San Jose for a little while. And because of that, he became became a fan of the San Jose Sharks. So I'm a Devils fan through and through, but I also like the San Jose Sharks. So every year I try to, as best as I can, get tickets to this game in particular. If I don't go to any other games throughout the season, Devils versus Sharks is one I definitely go to because it's exciting. I get to see both of the teams that I like. Now, obviously, I'm going to want the Devils to win more than the Sharks. I mean, that's just who I am. But obviously, you want to see the Sharks do well. Also, this would be like the one game where I would say, 
If they went to at least overtime, I would be satisfied because then both teams would get a point. But again, not trying to shift my fandom one way or the other. But all this is besides the point. Devils were getting ready. And the first notice, the first thing that we got right away was that Jack Hughes was going to be practicing. He had been practicing for the last several times the Devils had practiced, but he had been wearing a non-contact jersey. So that he was practicing, but he wasn't allowed to be you know, fully into practice because he was still recovering from his shoulder injury. But this practice, he was not wearing a non-contact jersey. He was wearing a regular practice jersey, and he was even on the Devils' first power play unit during this practice. So all of this throughout the hour and change that practice happened, there was a lot of speculation that there was a very good possibility that Jack Hughes would be able to return potentially for this game. Maybe he would first come back when we take on Minnesota on Thursday. But without any hesitation, the, before even Amanda Stein uh, put it out there, the Devils put out a video that officially announced that number 86 Jack Hughes, for the first time in a long time, would be in the starting lineup. He would be playing in this game. And for me, I'm obviously pumped because obviously Jack Hughes is going to be playing and I get the opportunity to go see him in person play in this game. Lindy Ruff, when he spoke to the media after practice, did officially confirm that Jack Hughes would be playing. And this was the first time after missing the last 17 games with that shoulder injury that he was going to be back playing with the Devils. Lindy Ruff also said that he would start Jack Hughes, at least start the game, on the first line with Nico Heischer and Sharon Govich. Now, the biggest reason why I thought that, and, and I think it's a pretty good um, assumption, that the, that the reason that Lindy Ruff decided to put Jack Hughes on the first line was, number one, to just get him going. And number two, because of the amount of offensive capabilities that Jack Hughes has and how much better the team overall plays when he's on the ice, that he wanted to try to get Nico Heischer going. Because even though Heischer has gotten a decent amount of points, goal scoring wise, he has not been able to get himself going. So the hope was, was that with Jack Hughes playing alongside him, that that would be the case. Lindy Ruff also did say that there's going to be a little bit of a restriction on Jack Hughes going into this game. They said that he was going to try to get him between 15 and 18 minutes uh, in total of ice time. So obviously not the one that, you know, not the amount of ice time you'd normally expect, but it's still a good amount. So obviously we are really pumped at this point to get the news that Jack Hughes was going to be coming back because we know how important he is to this franchise, not only in the now, but in the future. And when Jack Hughes spoke to the media, and it was the first time that we had a chance to hear from him since he returned from his uh, from his injury, he talked about the, the biggest thing that he learned watching those 17 games was was how you know how much you know basically to be more grateful for just being able to play this sport. And uh, he says it's all about hockey, hockey, hockey for him. And he got a different perspective sitting there watching the game, learning in different ways and understanding what he can and cannot do and what he needs to improve on and how he can fully help this team moving forward. So at this point, with it being around, around noon, uh, we already had some excitement and some really good things to have going for us going into this game with Jack Hughes returning to the lineup. So that was the first big news that we got. And then we shift to a couple of hours later, about almost four hours, a little bit before three o'clock, uh, four o'clock, excuse me, at exactly 3.51 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I was actually going to make a very special announcement about the podcast um, before this, but I had to back off because of this news that we got. Kevin Weeks, former New Jersey Devils goaltender, and he's currently working for both NHL Network and ESPN, who has several other times announced before anybody else did uh, news that involves the Devils. He he said that he he got word that Lindy Rupp was going to be the head coach, uh, that Nico Heischer was going to be named captain of the Devils. He was right about both of those. He wasn't right about the whole situation with the Calgary Flames involving Jack Eichel a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, that's one mistake out of many other successful times that he has been correct. But Kevin Weeks tweeted out from his Twitter account that he was told that Jack Hughes and the New Jersey Devils were close to signing an extension. Holy crap. This blew my mind. It was something that we 
we knew that the Devils were going to have to get done. And we had talked about in one way or another, when did we think the Devils were going to do it? When should they do it? I had said that they should do it the way they did it with Nico Heischer when he signed an extension where it was in the middle of the year and they get it settled before they even come close to being an RFA and we don't lose them at all. We could settle that right then and there. But Kevin Weeks tweeted out, and I remember I shared it on my, my socials, and I'm freaking out, and I'm waiting for more people to confirm this. Because, you know, Kevin Weeks is pretty reliable, but you also want to see other relatively well-known people in the industry also confirm this. The next person that did confirm it was Corey Massasak of The Athletic, that for the most part covers the New Jersey Devils for The Athletic. He retweeted and quote tweeted that, that particular tweet saying that this, this was the same confirmation that he was getting. Then Pierre Lebrun of TSN, another another very well, um, very well and very reliable uh, source, did also confirm that the Devils would announce a Jack Hughes extension shortly. So I got on the train at around. Then I took the 453 out of um, out of where I'm from, heading to uh, Newark Penn Station to go to the game, and sure enough. Just before five o'clock, around 4.57 p.m., not around, exactly, 4.57 p.m. Eastern Time, the Devils posted a video tribute that confirmed that Jack Hughes and the New Jersey Devils had agreed to an extension. And that was so awesome to hear because, again, it's one of those things that you know you don't want it to be lingering over your head throughout the year to say, you know, you got to get Jack Hughes signed long-term. Can you do it? You know, what are we going to do? And everything like that. And I'm just, you know, my first reaction was excitement. My second reaction was relief to say, okay, because here's the thing. Number one, we got Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer uh, locked up long-term, which is great. What it also does is gives us a better um, idea as to how much cap space the Devils indeed will have going into next offseason, especially with P.K. Subban's contract coming off the books and a couple other contracts here and there. So that kind of gives it a little bit more. And we'll talk about all of that stuff way, way, way later on down the road uh, when it's when it's the appropriate time. But the Devils then announced it. Their social media team announced that Amanda Stein confirmed it. And then we got the official contract. The official contract that Jack Hughes has signed, his official extension, is eight years $64 million with an average annual value of $8 million. And Pierre Lebrun said that that was basically what you would call, if you're an NBA fan, this is what you would call the max contract. Not a super max. This is the max contract that Jack Hughes basically got about as much money as he probably could have gotten in this situation. And the other thing here, because I want to give you guys the details of the contract throughout its entirety so that you understand. The contract begins at the start of next season, 2022-23 season. So this is the last year of Jack Hughes' entry-level contract. And the salary breakdown is as follows. In 2022-23, Jack Hughes will receive $9 million. The year after that, $8.5 million. The year after that, $8.5 million. Uh, 2025-26, million. 26-27, million. 27-28, $7.5 million. 28-29, million. And then 2029-2030, $7 million. He also has a 10-team no-trade clause that starts in the 2026-27 season and goes through the end of his contract, which is at the end of the 2029-2030 season and he will only be 29 years of age by the time that contract ends so if and i'm speaking you know very very far into the future but if jack hughes lives up to that contract the amount of money that he could potentially get whether it's from the devils which obviously we hope that that's the case or by somebody else he could make another huge amount of money now before I get into some of the quotes, one quote was from Jack Hughes, another was from Tom Fitzgerald. A lot of people have spoken over the last 24 hours, because I'm recording this on Wednesday night, a lot of people have talked about their feelings about this whole contract. Let me say this. I can understand why people might think that it's an overpayment, because you look at Jack Hughes and you look at the fact that his first three years in the league, he hasn't had a full NHL season, whether it's due to injury, uh, you know, COVID, obviously, 
and just COVID again, it's the same thing. And this is the second head coaching, uh, head coaching, well, coaching staff that he's been a part of, and the second general manager that he's had already in his career. And you could argue that he hasn't been able to fully showcase himself as a star player. The Devils basically signed this contract with the belief that Jack Hughes will live up to that. And I feel very confident that he will live up to this contract because number one, he has incredible confidence in himself. It's not cockiness. It's not arrogance. It's confidence. He's worked very hard. He believes in himself. And you look at the way he started this year. He was already prepared to go off. I don't know where the devils would be as a team, with Jack Hughes playing those last 17 games, but I know for a fact that Jack Hughes would be rocking and rolling even at this point. And Jack Hughes even said it when he spoke to Amanda Stein in the media that he missed 17 games. Well, he's got the rest of the season to get hot again. And I think that, again, it shows the belief that he has in himself to be very, very good. And the Devils are banking on him to live up to that contract. And I feel relatively confident that they will. Now, Another reason that people would say overpayment is because of the fact that you look, you know, we look at all those contracts. We've seen so many of these over the years. And a lot of the time it doesn't usually work out. It puts the you know teams in cap hell. I don't know exactly where the devil's cap situation will be over the next couple of seasons, but the way that Tom Fitzgerald has, has worked the cap and has put himself in a position where he constantly has room to make moves, to maneuver, even with the prospects and everything else that we got going on. I feel very confident that this contract is not going to down the road bite us in the you know what. Now, granted, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Okay, I would this would not be the first time, and I and I wouldn't be the first person to be wrong about something like this. And also, look, this had to get done. I can understand why people wanted the Devils to do well, Jack Hughes to do a bridge deal, but. What everyone has to understand who is not involved with the Devils is that Jack Hughes believes in the direction that Tom Fitzgerald has for this team, where this team is going. And he talked about it when he spoke to the media and when he did it, you know, when the, an article was written right after Jack Hughes signed this contract. He said, and I quote, I'm so excited to sign this deal for myself and for my family, said Hughes. I love being in New Jersey and I love playing in New Jersey. I wouldn't want to play anywhere else. And we are really building something special. I believe in what we are doing here and we have a great chance to be successful for a long time. This contract shows that this team is extremely invested in me and I'm also really dedicated to this organization. I want to thank Tom Fitzgerald, David Blitzer, Josh Harris, and everyone with the New Jersey Devils for this opportunity. Jack Hughes made it very clear that Tom Fitzgerald and Joshua Harris and David Blitzer, I do have to give them credit, have created an environment and a vision and a plan that Jack Hughes looks at and says, well, obviously, if I signed a bridge deal, it, yes, it could give me an opportunity to get more money moving forward, but I really want to stay here long term. I want to be a New Jersey Devil. I want to be here to create something special. And if that doesn't give you confidence as a fan, I don't know what will. Because look, here's the thing. When Taylor Hall was here, right? Let's just, it wasn't that long ago, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go back a couple of years. When Taylor Hall was here, he didn't sign a long-term deal with the Devils before or certainly during his last season. Now, I understand that things were different, but you got to be honest. You know, for all of the good at times that Ray Shiro did, I just never think he had a definitive plan as to what he wanted to do with this team. So Taylor Hall looked at that situation and he saw obviously the coach get fired and everything like that and was wondering to himself, where is this direction? Where is the direction? What is this team doing? And so for him and his agent, it made more sense for him to move on and then reevaluate moving forward from there. And then he banked on himself the year after that with Buffalo, then got to Boston, and then was finally able to sign a decent contract in Boston, where if you look, he's not making a considerable amount of money, but he wanted to stay in Boston because he believes in their vision and wanted to win a Stanley Cup. Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer both have signed in the last two, three years, long-term extensions. Why? 
because they believe in the vision and the plan that Tom Fitzgerald has put in place for this organization. They see it from top to bottom, people within the organization, the players themselves, the coaching staff, the development team, even the players in the minor league systems and in our prospect pool. They see that this team is on the cusp of creating something incredibly special, getting the Devils back to a point where they were when they were winning Stanley Cups and consistently making the playoffs and being one of the most respected and feared at times franchises in the National Hockey League. And Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer want to be the main parts of this. And they are. You look at it, two, you know, both of those guys, first overall picks in two of the last, in two of the last couple of years. And they both understand that they have a big amount of weight around them. Is Nico Heischer as talented as Jack Hughes? No. Does Jack Hughes have uh, more leadership than Nico Heischer? You could, I, I don't think so, because otherwise I think Jack Hughes would have been named captain. But they both have major roles in this organization, and they understand what they're here for. And this is what it shows. And look at the contract that Dougie Hamilton signed. Of course, yeah, like, he, you know, you get the biggest contract offer from a team, most likely you're going to take it. I understand that. But, again, Dougie Hamilton chose the Devils. He said he wanted to be wanted. And he, real, and he found that the Devils wanted him and believed in him and understood that he, and believed that he was a top defenseman and that he could help this team. And Dougie Hamilton said he bought into the vision, the, the vision of the team. Ryan Graves said the same thing. Great that he was traded here, but still, Tomas Tatar. Everybody that's come in that's relatively new, especially during Tom Fitzgerald's era, has said the same things. They believe in this vision. They believe in what they're doing. And they have a direction. And that is the sole reason to me why Jack Hughes was so willing to sign this contract, even though he could have very well signed a bridge deal that could have guaranteed him more money moving forward. If indeed he lives up to even just that bridge deal, like what Patrick Line has done the last couple of years. And I'm not criticizing Patrick Line because I think it's ridiculous that this man consistently is scoring 35 plus goals a year on one year contracts and no team is still willing to give him a long term deal. Don't know what the, you know, again, it, it might be an attitude thing. I don't know, but that's neither here nor there. Tom Fitzgerald had this to say after signing Jack Hughes at extension. He said, quote, today is a big day for the New Jersey Devils, said Fitzgerald. This contract shows the commitment Jack and his family have made to us and how the organization, myself, David Blitzer and Josh Harris are in to turn committed to them. We are building something unique and special here with Jack being a core piece of that. This is just the start of where we believe we can go with this organization as we work towards sustained success for years to come, end quote. It's the same thing. They all agreed that Jack Hughes is, a, is one of the main focal points of this organization moving forward and that he's one of the key cornerstones and that this organization is about to create some really special, special seasons moving forward. Maybe not 100% this year, but certainly moving forward. And they can see it. And with cap space that we have, with prospects that we have, we have a ton of different ways that we can make this team better and better, not just in the now, but certainly in the future. And that, to me, is one of the reasons why Jack Hughes signed this contract. Jack Hughes has played uh, now in 120 games in his career since entering the league back in 2019-2020. He has scored 20 goals and registering 35 assists for 55 points, while averaging just over 17 minutes of ice time per contest. So again, the it's a small body of work, but you can see the potential. You can see the skill that he has. And look at just how the team plays when he is with the team and when he's not playing. You can see it. It's night and day. And most of you guys, I'm sure would agree with me about that. Now, this is not incredibly similar, but I look at this contract and I look at it as very similar to the one that the Hur Carolina Hurricanes, Andrei Shvechnikov, uh, he signed during the offseason. That was a big thing for Carolina. Could they get an extension done? And honestly, I don't think they would have been able to get a long-term extension like they did with Shvechnikov if they kept Dougie Hamilton. That's just me. But I could be wrong about that. But the contract that Shvechnikov got was eight years, $62 million, with an average annual value of $7.75 .75 million. Now, granted, he's making a little less money than Jack Hughes, and Shvechnikov has a bigger body of work because he's played in 226 games, 67 goals, 93 assists for 160 points. 
I do believe that Shvetsnikov deserves this contract 100%. I also believe that Jack Hughes has earned the contract that he's that he's gotten. Because again, he's had so many, he's had such bad luck since he got in the league. First year, first year, the team just fell apart right from the start. They were not ready. They were not ready to compete. And a lot of that was on Ray Shiro, unfortunately. And the team fired their head coach and their team traded away the star player, Taylor Hall. Ray Shiro got fired. It was a total mess. Fast forward to last year, right? Second year in the league, looking to try to do something. But again, COVID hit and cut Jack Hughes' rookie season short, so he couldn't do that. And then this year was cut, well, short because, again, we were still dealing with COVID. We played a 50-plus game season. And then the Devils went 16 days without playing because they had a COVID outbreak. And Jack Hughes lost all of the muscle that he had earned over the offseason to get himself more physically prepared to play. And that was the frustrating thing for him. And he he did as best as he could, and he got up to a good start to begin the year, but he just could never recover after that. A lot of players could not recover. Andreas Johnson is the big example. Look, at it's night and day difference between how Johnson played last year and how he's kicking ass this year. And that just goes to prove that I think COVID, which is what a shocker, really affected these guys physically. And that was the case here. So Jack Hughes comes into this season and we heard it all training camp that he was confident in himself. He believed that this was the year he was going to break out and everything was going to go his way. And it's a full 82 game season and you have the Olympics as well. This was a great, great opportunity in his third year to really get himself going. And he knew how big of a year it was as well for contract reasons to prove to the Devils that he deserved that contract. And, you know, look, he dominates the first game, scores the game-winning goal, gets off to a fantastic start. He got a point in the game against Seattle and then got hurt. And he hadn't played until now. And that was, again, his season was cut short. He'll still be able to play a bunch of the games this year, but he will still not be a full season. Now, do you want to argue that maybe he's not, you know, he might be injury prone. No, I don't think that's the case. Cause it's the first time he's really been injured. Uh, the other times it's been COVID and other things that are out of his control. So look at the end of the day, I firmly believe that Jack Hughes will live up to this contract. He is a superstar in the making. You give him the opportunity to continue to develop this way. You continue to support players around him that can put the puck in the back of the net, and he will flourish. I guarantee you. And I would not be surprised if he really got himself rolling over the next couple of games and got back to right where he was prior to his injury. So with that being said, the Devils got some much-needed business done as they signed Jack Hughes to that lucrative extension, eight years, $64 million. So Jack Hughes is here, and he's not going anywhere. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But, the, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point score. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on all the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prices all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, all of this happened, and we still had to play a game. As that same night, the Devils were taking on the Sharks. Now, I will just say this just to get it out of my system because it's funny and I'm half joking. But the Devils need to stop making so many big announcements before a game because I think emotionally it just takes a lot out of this team and then they can't get that same amount of energy once they play. Why am I bringing this up? Go back to last year. Nico Heischer was hurt during the offseason and didn't start the year playing. 
And then on a random day, I believe we were playing the Capitals, if I'm not mistaken. Random day. Devils are getting ready to play a matinee game. I think it was like a one o'clock or three o'clock game. And Kevin Weeks, God bless him, because he's been accurate a lot with the Devils. He tweeted out that Nico Heischer was going to be playing in this game and that he was going to be named captain of the Devils. And this was so much. First of all, you're excited that Nico's back, and then he's getting named captain. There was so much emotion, so much happiness. And then the Devils had a letdown in their game. Not granted, they were playing the Capitals, but still, it was a energy-wise, like they used so much throughout the day that by the time you got to the game, they just didn't have the same level. I would say the same thing for the first 40 minutes of this one against the Sharks that I think with all the emotion of Jack Hughes coming back, signing that long-term extension, you could feel the energy in the crowd, that the Devils just didn't do a good enough job of channeling that and using it to their advantage in this game against the Sharks. But before I get to the main recap of this, uh, this was the second and final meeting of the season between the two teams. The Devils won the first game against the Sharks in San Jose, 3-2 to two in a shootout back on November 6th. So this was the earliest, this was definitely one of the earliest times that the Devils finished up against one of their California teams. Uh, they still got to play Anaheim and LA in New Jersey, but they got through that, um, that California trip early in the year. Which, I mean, I, I guess it's fine. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It was just kind of interesting because usually it happens in early January, late December. That's usually when it happens. But, I mean, you know, things change, schedules change, whatever. Uh, this was the first time, and this was confirmed by the San Jose Sharks Twitter account. This is how I found out. This is the first time in 649 days that the Sharks were in New Jersey taking on the Devils. The last time these two teams faced off in New Jersey was back on February 20th of 2020, a couple weeks before we got into this whole mess with COVID, the Devils won in regulation by the score of two to one. So there's a little bit of trivia there for you going into this recap. Now, luckily for at least me, because I was at the game in person and it was, uh, it was, it was, uh, they were celebrating Hanukkah. Uh, so it was great. Um, and uh, I'm half Jewish. So it was, it was very nice. The Devils recognized that first night of Hanukkah and I and they had a gigantic uh, menorah in the uh, main lobby, which I think is great. I think it's great that the Devils celebrate these type of things and show how much that they support everybody and anybody. I think it's absolutely tremendous and it's very cool, very very cool. Um, but again, luckily for me, I got to see the game in person. This game was on ESPN Plus, so I knew before I even found out who was broadcasting the game. I just like said to myself, well, thank goodness I'm not watching this game on TV because it really is just a pain in the ass to watch, to try to, you know, granted, one of my friends gives me the ESPN Plus account to use. Thank you so much, Steve. Appreciate it, my friend. Um, you know, so I, I could watch the game really with no prompt. If I didn't have that account, I wouldn't be able to watch these games. I'd have to find a different stream, which I know some of you guys would be able to give me, and I do appreciate that um, in advance. But the reason why I actually, when I look back and I watch the highlights because I got to see some of the game on ESPN Plus, this was the first and so far only time that I actually really liked the three people involved in the ESPN Plus game. I know not everybody would agree, but I personally liked it. And the reason why was that, number one, the play-by-play voice was Bob Wischusen. Now, if you're not from this area, you probably don't know who Bob Wischusen is. But Bob Wischusen is the radio play-by-play voice of the New York Jets. He's been doing it for a long time. He also does a lot of college football games. Um, I think he's probably done a couple. He's done basketball, I know for a fact. I never knew. I didn't know that he did hockey. So when I found out that he was doing the game, I was like, that's strange. But I kind of took it as, I think, ESPN wanted to have a more local voice do this game because it wasn't like this big-time matchup. Because, look, the Devils and Sharks are both kind of, you know, trying to reach a wild card spot. They're not two of the top teams in the league. So, you know, I think that they wanted that more of a local-ish type of voice for this one. So they chose Bob Wischusen. And I've always been a fan of Bob Wischusen. Love his energy. He's one of my favorite play-by-play voices in this area. Um, honestly, like, if I wasn't if I wasn't a Giants fan, I probably would have been a Jets fan just because of Bob Wischusen because I really, really love his voice. Uh, not the biggest fan of him when he's doing radio uh, talk show, like when he took, when he's, he's filled in for like, I think he's filled in for like Michael K a couple of times. Also when they, when Stephen A. Smith had his show 
uh, his radio show in New York. I think he did it for there. But anyway, he was doing the play by play. Brian Boucher, who I think is one of the smartest analysts in the game. I, I love it, especially as a goaltender. He has a different perspective, everything. And Linda Cohen, who honestly, when Linda Cohen is around, um, you know, regular hockey people, she really, you, you really start to see, you know, how much she knows about the game. And she's been a hockey fan for a long time. Whenever she used to do sports and her own stuff, she would always want to include hockey because she's such a big uh, fan of hockey. Uh, even when the, the ESPN didn't hold the, the main rights to live NHL broadcasts, they were doing, what was it called? Fire on Ice, I think it was called, the ESPN Plus segment. She was doing it with Barry Melrose, uh, Steve Levy, those, you know, and Linda Cohen has always been a big uh, hockey fan. I know she's a Rangers fan, but still, incredibly bright. Uh, I call her... I call her basically, uh, I, I had it in my head before. Um, she's the Doris Burke, in my opinion, of hockey. And that might be a controversial thing to say and, and to compare the two, but that's just the way that I look at it. Um, but I just thought overall, the broadcast, listening to Bob Schusen's goal calls, I thought it was phenomenal. It's exactly what you want. You want that excitement. And, you know, he was excited for when the Sharks scored and he was excited for the devil when the Devils scored, even when the Devils were getting the crap kicked out of them. And I give him credit there. And Boucher was doing well. Linda Cohen was doing great reporting. I just wanted to bring that up, you know, and everything. Um, going to the game. Let's talk about it. I'm not going to make this long. Uh, I've kind of gone a little bit different direction when I come to do these recaps. I don't try to go like play for play. I try to give you a brief, not necessarily a brief, but a more, you know, generic recap of these games to just give you my overall feeling of them. For 40 minutes, the Devils were asleep. I'm just going to call it like it is. This was, without a doubt, one of the most boring games I have seen in a while, whether I was in person or watching on TV. The Devils just did not have any energy. And, I, and like I said before, I think it had to do with a lot of their energy was used with the fact that Jack Hughes was coming back into the lineup and then he was signing an extension. You would think that the Devils would have used that energy and really, really played well like they did against the, the Flyers back on Sunday. That was not the case. And the Sharks, although they're probably one of the more surprising teams in the league because they're still relatively in a playoff spot despite COVID and injuries, and just the Sharks are clearly starting to become a rebuilding team because that era of 20-plus years of being in the playoffs and competing for Stanley Cups, uh, of although not winning any, but still – uh, was coming to an end. You know, age is catching up to this team. It's got to call it like it is. Um, but the, the Sharks really just didn't play that well. Uh, Noah Gregor scored to start the game. It was kind of a, a fluttering puck that went over the shoulder. Black went an in on uh, the first period. Kind of a weak goal, but what are you going to do? It was one nothing after one period. So I looked at it and I said, okay, boring period. Devils didn't play out well. You got 40 minutes to figure it out, and you're only down by one. The Sharks came out, and again, they did not play the Devils. All they basically did was just take advantage of openings. It started with Jacob Middleton, who was wide open on the left side. Ryan Graves just completely leaving Middleton all alone, and Middleton just beat uh, Blackwood top shelf to score uh, to make it 2-0. Then the Devils decided to challenge it, and we could never see on the big screen at the game. I know they showed replays probably on ESPN+, Plus, but when you look up at the scoreboard, they didn't show us anything. We had no idea exactly what the refs were looking at. We knew the Devils were challenging it for offsides, but we didn't see anything. And then the refs came out and said the goal was onside and that the Devils were going to be charged with a um, with a penalty for delay of game, which, again, I will reiterate, this is the dumbest thing that the NHL has done in a while when it comes to the rules. Stop doing this. I understand that you don't want teams to be constantly challenging offsides, but this doesn't improve anything because then it just it makes it worse, especially if I've seen it where teams have gotten screwed, where it was clearly offsides. They still called it onsides and they had to give up a, a um, they had to get they had to get a penalty and go on the penalty kill. I just think it's a dumb rule. That's just my opinion of it. And I'm going to stick with it. Um, but it was two nothing. And then uh, we had, then the Sharks added another goal in that period. Timo Meyer scoring again, kind of all alone on that left side. He went off the post and in. That made it three to nothing. And then less than a minute later, Eric Carlson standing all alone. Great pass um, from Barabanov over to the far side to Eric Carlson, who scored. Which, by the way, is anybody else beside me like a little bit? Not freaked out, but it is kind of weird to see how Carlson's long hair is gone. He keeps his short hair kind of like the way that I have it. I don't know. He kind of looks good. 
it looks like it's kind of working because Carlson's off to one of his better starts to his time in San Jose. Um, you know, but nonetheless, it was four nothing after two periods, and the Devils, rightfully so, were completely booed off the ice because for 40 minutes they looked like crap. They looked awful. They looked absolutely awful. And I said to my dad because fun fact. This is only the second game I've been to this year. The first one I went to was when we played Calgary and we were down four nothing in the first period. So I, I looked to my dad and I said, wow, for the second time this year, we're at a game in which the Devils are down four to nothing and are not showing any life. And let me be very, very clear. I didn't go to a game last year, you know, because of COVID and even when fans could, I didn't want to go. And I saw a lot of losses in 2019 before I don't even remember the last time I saw them win in person. It's been over two years since I've seen the Devils win in person. And I'm just blown away that I just have no luck when it comes to games. I understand that it's hockey and anything can happen, but still mind-boggling to me. Absolutely mind-boggling and very frustrating because I watch this team on TV and they win. But the second that I go to a game, they look like a completely different team. And I want to talk about that a little bit more when I'm done with this recap. But the Devils would fight back as they normally do because this team is definitely a third-period team. They would fight back on goals by Tomas Tatar and Jesper Bratt, that third line of the Devils continuing to put up points. Uh, that made it 4-2 to two with 7-11 to go in the third. So again, me thinking crazy, I'm thinking, you know, they got a chance. You get another goal within the next two or three minutes, you put all that pressure on San Jose because all of a sudden they go from being up four to being only up by one in the third period, and you got to you got a hockey game. Bob Wischusen even said it after Brad scored. He said, looks like we got a hockey game now. And at that point, it did feel like that, that, the, that the Devils were really, really rolling. But they really could not get any more opportunities. I think they hit the post once or twice like they normally do. James Reimer made some really, really good saves. I want to give credit also to Blackwood because he made two tremendous saves when it was still four to nothing which again, it didn't make a difference necessarily in the game result and everything like that, but still he made some really good saves and I didn't think he played all that poorly. He could have played a little bit better, but I wouldn't say that it was fully his fault. Nobody really came to play in this game. The Sharks would add an empty net goal as Timo Meyer got his second of the game. He has been on fire since the season started for the Sharks. And you often wonder when you look back at the draft, when the Devils nearly got Timo Meyer in a trade, if he was playing like that, with the Devils, I mean, you know, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, the Sharks ended up winning this game by the score of 5-2. to two. The Devils, with the loss, dropped to 9-7-4. So in total, that's two games below 500, not the end of the world. The Sharks improved to 12-9-1 with that victory. A uh, couple other things. Big milestone for Nico Heischer. Shout out to Nico Heischer. On the Tatar goal, he got an assist, and that was his 100th career assist in the National Hockey League. So congratulations to Nico Heischer, our captain, for doing that. Like I said before, he's getting a decent amount of points, especially a lot of assists, but he needs to get his goal scoring going. I don't know what the devil's got to do. I don't know if you got to bench him or something like that. You got you to find something to get him going. Because, I mean, look, it worked with Sharon Govich. He's gotten a couple goals in the last couple of games. Jesper Bratt has been on fire and has a six-game point streak since the since he got benched. Um, you know, we will never know what could have happened with Alexander Holtz because he got benched and then got sent down. That's not the point. It's worked before. I'm not saying you do it, but it could be potentially something that you might consider. For Jack Hughes, he had obviously he had no goals, no assists, no points. He had one shot on goal and had 17 and a half minutes of time on ice. So he basically was right in the middle of where Lindy Ruff said ice time that he wanted to wanted to have for Jack Hughes. I do expect in the game against Minnesota, he probably will have a little bit more. Luckily for Jack Hughes, he'll have back-to-back -back games because we play Minnesota on uh, Thursday. And then we play Winnipeg, our first trip back to Canada in over two years. Um, on Friday. So we have back-to-back -back games, which is good. And that's the next thing I wanted to mention. And I also wanted to mention from a personal standpoint, I will be doing a live watch along as I've done several on the hockey podcast network, YouTube channel. I will be live. I will be doing a live watch along for the devil's game on Friday night against the Winnipeg jets game starts at eight o'clock. I will be starting the live watch along around 7 45 PM Eastern. So make sure you go check that out. Leave a like subscribe 
hit that notification bell so you don't miss any new content that we post there. Come by and say hi, show your support, show your love. We'd really appreciate it. We are approaching 500 subscribers, trying to get there before the end of 2021. We got a month to go here as we're into the first day or first, second day of December. Um, and it's crazy again that we're into the last month of 2021. This year has flown by, but I would really love your guys' support and I would very much appreciate that. Now, quickly here before I go to my, my next thing, and I talked about it a couple minutes ago about my luck. Yeah, I mean, I just have not had any luck when it comes to going to games. And uh, again, with this year, it's weird because I've seen this team on TV. They've had some really good games like they had against Philly, win five to two, look pretty good doing it, scored some big time goals. And then I go to the very next game and they look like a completely different team. This is without a doubt the most Jekyll and Hyde team I have ever seen from the Devils. And this isn't meant to be a full on criticism. I'm not going, I'm not throwing in the towel or anything. It's just frustrating when you have some games where this team looks like that they're rocking and rolling. And then there's other times, and it's never really like a full game, it's like a couple of periods where they just kind of look lost and they look like they have no energy like they did in the first 40 minutes in this game against the Sharks. It's very, very weird, very Jekyll and Hyde. As my dad put it, I want to give him credit. He was the one that first said it to me. But I do agree. This is a very Jekyll and Hyde team. And I'm hoping that moving forward that Lindy Ruff can get this team going where all the lines are pretty much set. We do have a set line of Brett, Mercer, and um, Johnson. But you'd like to get some of the other lines going. And, and hopefully that can, you know, that can start to surface and we start to find those lines moving forward if we're going to have any shot of competing. Look, we're only a couple points out of a playoff spot right now. And I know it's far-fetched and it's still relatively early, but you want this team to be competitive. You always want to see them make the playoffs, even in years where you know that the team's not going to be good. And this team is good enough to make the playoffs with the way things are. It's a tight race in the Eastern Conference, and it's going to be very difficult to finish top three in the Metro. I, I, you know, it's, it's about finding consistency and starting to get on a little bit of a roll. Be great to see them. Look, they got back-to-back -back games on the road against Minnesota and Winnipeg. Let's see what they can do. They can win both of those games, get some revenge against Minnesota, get a big win against the Jets on the road. That would be huge for their confidence. You know, I would love for them to get themselves to their 10th and 11th victory of the year and be 11-7-4 by the time they come back to Jersey when they take on the Ottawa Senators. Because then you give yourself some confidence going up against the Senators team that has struggled all year long. These are all the things, and I'm just kind of rambling on at this point. But I just wanted to point that out. The next game I'm going to be at is December 10th at home against Nashville. Uh, I'm going to be there with like five of my friends. So it's going to be a big group outing. I'm excited to do that. Uh, I'm hoping a lot of them have never seen a hockey game. Would love for their first experience to be a win. Uh, I know there's not much I can really control, but I'm just hoping. I'm hoping that three times the charm, I can finally see this team win on home ice. And as always, if, if you see me at the game and you want to come by and say hi and talk some hockey, whatever, please do so. I would love to meet you guys. would love to talk to you guys. And I do appreciate your guys' all support because, again, this podcast is for the fans by a fan. So the last thing I wanted to discuss with you guys um, is involving our prospects slash the Utica Comets. First and foremost with the Utica Comets, last week they did unfortunately – have their winning streak come to an end. I believe it was at 14 games at the top of my head. They did lose their first game, but they won uh, their very next game. And at the moment, at the time of this recording, they are 15-1-1, continuing to kick absolute butt. Now, on Wednesday afternoon, we got word that their next two games have been postponed due to some COVID outbreaks with the Providence Bruins. And there's some, you know, troubling stuff with COVID going on in the AHL. And you're hoping that it's not something that's going to be too severe, but you know, let's, let's keep our fingers crossed that this is, this is just a small bump in the road, especially for Utica, because you don't want to see a season that has, that has been phenomenal for them, you know, go up and smoke because of unfortunate situations like this. But yeah, the Utica comments are rolling right now. Um, they were going to play a couple of games. I think they were going to play tonight as a matter of fact, um, but they're going to have a couple more days off before they play their next game. I'm not sure when their next game is, but it's going to be, I think it's going to end up being next week. But, but at the moment, the Utica Comets continuing to fire on all cylinders with an impressive record of 15, one and one and oh. Now we had some more good news 
involving the Hughes family because we are we obviously own that you know not not in that way but own uh two of the three Hughes brothers which I mean hey you know Quinn Hughes you know Jersey's still a good possibility you know if you want if you want to come by if you want to want to want to check it out get an idea for it more than welcome to we welcome you with open arms just saying um but we got some good news about Luke Hughes and I haven't talked about Luke Hughes that much um since the draft and I wanted to talk about him uh Luke Hughes has made the United States um hockey team's preliminary roster for the 2022 IAHF World Junior Championships which is huge especially in Canada where you have guys that are 18, 19 years old, uh, some who've played in the NHL, some are, who are just prospects that are playing for their country. And it's like a mini Olympics, so to speak, in case you don't know the World Junior Championships. It's it's so much fun to watch these games because you're seeing the future of the league in, in so many different ways. It, it's phenomenal. You see so many talented players, you know, players that are even in your own system. I know the Devils are going to have a handful of guys probably playing in the World Junior Championship. It's going to be a lot, going to be really a lot of fun. Uh, this year's IIHF World Junior Championships will be played in Edmonton and Red Deer, Alberta in Canada, and it will be from December 26th, um, the day after Christmas, through January 5th of 2022. So it's the 2021-22, but 2022. Uh, the United States is the defending gold medal champions. Uh, they won. I, I know they won. I don't remember if they won in a shootout. I remember watching the game. I think they won in overtime, I want to say, but I could be wrong about that. But anyway, the United States is the defending champions looking to try to win it for a second year in a row. Talking about Luke Hughes, who committed to the University of Michigan, tremendous hockey program with some of the other top picks in this past year's draft. Owen Power, who was drafted by Buffalo. Matty Veneers, who was drafted by Seattle. And then you got Luke Hughes. You got a lot of guys on that team that are super, super talented that are going to be playing in the NHL very, very soon. So far for Luke Hughes, he's had a really, really good season. 16 games played, seven goals, eight assists for 15 points. And he has a plus minus of plus 14, which is absolutely phenomenal. Michigan as a team so far this year is 12-4-0-0. They are number three in the country, and they are right now a game in front of the University of Minnesota for first place in the Big Ten Conference. And their next two games, ironically enough, are back-to-backs this upcoming weekend on Friday and Saturday against Minnesota. So they have an opportunity to get, to get themselves a little bit of distance uh, you know, from the Golden Gophers. So hoping that Michigan can win and hoping that uh, Luke Hughes can continue to play very, very well. And it's exciting that he's part of the preliminary roster. We'll see if once camp begins, which I think is going to be in, in about, I think it's like in two or three weeks from now being Colorado Springs. Um, hopefully he makes the team because we would love to see him play for the United States and playing on an international stage and really developing more and more. And I feel confident that he will. So we've gotten a lot of good news over the last 24 almost 48 hours from the Hughes family involving the Devils, which is absolutely wonderful to see. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk to you guys about was something that I wasn't prepared for when I was writing the script. Again, I'm recording this on Wednesday night. Um, I was in the middle, I was literally in the middle of writing the script and I looked at my phone and I saw that the Devils had posted something. And whenever they post something about news, they put hashtag news. So when I saw that, obviously my first uh, reaction is intrigued. It's like, hmm, what are the Devils doing? What, what, what's going on here? They announced, the Devils did, that they have, they have signed 2020 first-round pick, drafted 20th overall, Shakir Mukamadoulin to a three-year entry-level contract. This, is this was something that we did not expect because I remember Corey Massasak two, three weeks ago saying that it looked like that Shakir was going to be just playing out the rest of the year, that he wasn't going to sign any entry-level contract or anything like that. But the Devils actually got his entry-level contract signed. I don't know if he was in New Jersey to sign it. I, I don't, I doubt it. I think he probably, they probably did it virtually, you know, some somewhere or another. I'm sure it's possible. But the Devils did announce that they signed him to his three-year entry-level contract. They also announced that they have loaned him back to his KHL club, which is pronounced Sal Salavat Yulaev Ufa, or Ufa, as most people just say, for the remainder of the 2021-22 KHL season. So we have now 
officially signed all three of the first round picks that Tom Fitzgerald, his first three picks as a general manager to their entry level deals. We went Mercer, then Holtz, and now we got Shakir, which is phenomenal because these are the three guys that are involved in Tom Fitzgerald's rebuilding of the team. It's his first three picks ever. So far, Mercer is looking like a home run. Holt still has tremendous potential, and he's going to be great once he gets himself going. And Shakir, we haven't even seen yet. And we've, and, you know, granted, he doesn't have the greatest amount of points, but from what I've heard and what I've seen, tremendously talented. It has done very, very well in the second toughest league hockey league in the world, and that is the Continental Hockey League or the KHL. Uh, currently, Shakir is 19 years of age, and this season he has played in 34 games, scoring three goals, four assists for a total of seven points. With Ufa, he is six foot four, a very slim 195 pounds. So obviously, you'd like to see him get him built up a little bit more. He has played in 99 games, scoring six goals, 12 assists for 18 points in his career in the KHL. So he's had a couple of years, not even reaching 21 years of age yet. He's already had a couple of years in a very, very tough league in the KHL. He's also represented Russia at the 2021 under 20 world junior championships. He was an alternate captain for that fun fact. And he also played in the under 18 world junior championships um, in 2019, earning a silver medal. So he's had experience in a professional league and also experience in international play so is there a possibility he will be on the russian team for the world junior championships it's possible he's teammates with arseny gritsiak who is another pick i think he's from 2019 he was like a fifth round pick who has done very well with avant-garde omsk in the khl who just won the gargarian cup which is the equivalent to the stanley cup in the khl he won it last year ironically with former devil uh, Ilya kovalchuk um, I don't know what the situation with Gritsiak is. I'm hoping that the Devils can sign him, but they, you know, look, not, not every player who gets drafted ends up getting signed to an entry-level deal from their team. Sometimes they just don't have enough room or, you know, they, they don't feel confident enough to do so. But main point is that Shakir is now signed to an entry-level deal. It will begin next season. So the hope is, is that we'll have a uh, prospect development camp and we'll get a chance to see him come over. He hasn't been over to the United States since he got drafted, um, but we are very excited to see the potential, a very tall, very lengthy defenseman who a lot of people, including myself, were kind of scratching their head when the Devils took him with the 20th overall pick. But at the same time, he has a lot of potential, and he's a long-term project, which if developed correctly, could be one of our big anchors long-term on the back end. So, Exciting news for the Devils. A lot of signings, a lot of big player news. There's a lot to talk about. And I want to end this on an even bigger high note because I announced this earlier today on Twitter and on Instagram. And I want to announce it here on this podcast episode. As of today, on Wednesday, December 1st, 2021, we have officially reached over a thousand followers on Twitter. And I am absolutely blown away by that. I can't even begin to tell you how fortunate I am and how lucky I am to have so many people like you listening to this episode that care so much about what I have to say, care so much about the devils, care so much about the podcast, and even care so much about the Hockey Podcast Network in general that you listen to my episodes, you follow me on social media, you interact with me, and you've helped me continue to grow this. It's it's a group effort. It's, it's myself, it's you guys, it's the network. We're all in this together, and I feel so fortunate. And I remember when I got to 500, I was saying, wow, I wonder what it's going to be like if I'll ever get to 1,000. Well, sure enough, I think it, I think I reached a thousand. Yeah, I reached the I reached five hundred in April. So fast forward eight months later, and I've gotten myself to a thousand. And I am absolutely uh, blown away by your guys' uh, support. It means so much to me, and um, I'm going to continue to you know grow this thing. It's only just starting, ladies and gentlemen. More and more good things are happening with this podcast and with the network. And I just wanted to come on and, and say that because it, it just means so much to me that you guys care this much about what I have to say and you support me this much. It truly means the world to me. 
And I also wanted to make a quick announcement and I'll make a bigger one when the time is right. But I definitely in the very near future am going to be doing a 1000 follower giveaway. I did it when I got to 500 and I'm going to do it with a thousand. And I promise you that you are going to love this giveaway. So when I post it on social media and I make the announcement, please go on there, follow the directions, share it with a friend, do as much as possible. Let's try to get this out here as much as possible because it would mean the world to me. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you all so much for all of your support and helping us get to a thousand followers. Let's, let's get our next goal. Let's try to get to 1500 and just keep going from there. Share this podcast with your friends, share my stuff on social media, get people following. If you're a hockey fan, if you're a devil's fan in particular, this is the podcast for you. So again, thank you to the hockey podcast network. Thank you to amaze for supporting us DraftKings as well. And most importantly, thank you, the fans for all your support. This is only the beginning, and I'm looking forward to the future with the Devil's State of Mind podcast.